Many believers, even though they are journeying well in their spiritual lives, sometimes go down a dangerous slippery slope to find themselves poisoned by bitterness and bound by sin. This message brings deliverance to those who find themselves in such a place and it's also a warning to avoid going down that path. Come experience a deep work of God's Spirit as you listen. So as a scripture text today, I want us to turn in our Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Uh, we're going to read this passage, Acts chapter 8, verses 4 to 25. I know it's a rather lengthy passage, but uh, it will serve us well to read that passage through. And then we're going to zero in on a certain part of that text uh, to bring out the message that we want to uh, bear on our hearts this morning. So I'm reading from Acts chapter 8, verses 4 to 25. I request you to open your Bibles, please. Uh, I know I can't hear the flipping of the pages or the tapping of your phones, but uh, uh, turn in your Bibles, however, in your printed page or on your phone or device. And we're going to read Acts 8, verses 4 to 25. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city, in the city of Samaria. Verse 9. But there was a certain man called Simon, who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he astonished them with his sorceries for a long time. Verse 12, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed, seeing the miracles and the signs which were done. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, that included Simon, and they received the Holy Spirit, including Simon. The including Simon part is something I'm just adding. Verse 18. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you, 
because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity or bound by sin. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. And when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. So the title of this morning's message is taken there from verse 23. Poisoned and bound. That's the title of the sermon. Poisoned and bound. Poisoned by bitterness, bound by iniquity. So, you know, this is actually a record of something wonderful that was happening. Uh, Philip... Of course, there was a lot of persecution in Jerusalem, so the disciples were scattered. This was, about, this was about eight years after the day of Pentecost. Uh, so we are somewhere around AD 38 or something like that, approximately. And uh, uh, there's a great persecution in Jerusalem. Believers are scattered, and Philip, who was one of the people serving in the church in Jerusalem, he comes to Samaria. And God does a powerful work to Philip. Philip is preaching about Jesus. Miracles take place. Now, till that time, the Samaritans, the people there, were under the grip of a man named Simon. He was a sorcerer. He practiced witchcraft and black magic and all of that. And he controlled the people. But all of a sudden, he saw the power of the name of Jesus. He saw the power of the gospel. He saw people being healed and demons being cast out and, and people being delivered. And he realized that this power in the name of Jesus was much greater than what he had. And the Bible says, Simon believed. So I want us to understand that Simon had a genuine conversion experience. You know, some people like to write off the story as, you know, Simon didn't really get saved. And uh, we can't buy that because the Bible tells us clearly Simon believed. They not only believed, the Bible tells you he was baptized in water. He was baptized in water. And not only was he baptized, but he continued with them. That means he was being discipled, which was the normal process in the early church. People received the message, they believed in Jesus, they were baptized in water, and they continued in fellowship, uh, which was the discipleship process by which they were being nurtured in their faith in Jesus Christ. So Simon was part of that whole thing. This is in verse 13 of Acts 8. And then the Bible also says that he was amazed at what Philip was what was happening through Philip's ministry. So you see that he believed, he was baptized, he continued with them, and he stood amazed. He, he said, wow, this is really God at work. Look at all the things happening. So he was part of all of that. So his conversion was genuine. It wasn't fake. It was not something that didn't happen. It, was hap it happened. Simon became a believer. He was becoming a disciple of Jesus, being nurtured in the faith. And what's more, Peter and John come down from Jerusalem. So we don't know how much time has transpired by this, 
by this, by their, before their visit. Uh, it could be several weeks, maybe a couple of months, we're not sure. But there has been a period of time, a substantial period of time, and Simon has continued in his journey of faith. There is no question about that. So Peter and John now come down to Samaria, and they pray for the believers to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And I want to just mention to you, if you're a believer in Jesus, you've, you've, you've believed, you've been baptized, wonderful, but you also need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. You need to receive the power from on high so that you and I can be witnesses for Jesus. And that was normal practice. That's what they did for believers, that they prayed for them, for the Holy Ghost to fall upon them, that is to baptize them. So Simon was part of that, and we can infer that him being part of that, church in Samaria, that he also was prayed for by Peter and John to receive the Holy Spirit. He also probably, along with all the rest of the believers, experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, most likely speaking in tongues and experiencing the manifestation of the Spirit. And when Simon saw all this, then began a dangerous progression in his life. And I want to focus on that, but we're just setting the stage here to understand uh, that Simon was in a good place spiritually. You know, he became a believer. I'm repeating this. He became a believer. He was baptized. He continued in the discipleship. Uh, he was right there next to Philip, seeing all the miracles. He was now baptized in the Holy Spirit, uh, seeing the supernatural phenomena of the gift of the Holy Spirit at work. Uh, so he was in a very good place spiritually. But then something bad happened. He went down a dangerous progression, which eventually put him in a place where he was sternly rebuked by Peter, saying he had been poisoned and bound. So going from a place of a beautiful spiritual growth, suddenly going from there to a place of being poisoned and bound, having to be rebuked by Peter. How did it happen? I want us to examine that carefully today. And that's the message today. And uh, the reason we are looking into that is because some of us as believers perhaps have had a similar transition assignment. We were in wonder, doing wonderful in our spiritual journey with God until something happened and we took a similar road of dangerous progression from being, you know, journeying with God to coming to this place where now our lives have been poisoned and bound. And today is our day of deliverance. Today is a day when God is coming to you to bring you out of that place where you are out of being poisoned and bound, to bring you out, put you back in the right place where you're supposed to be so that you can continue in your beautiful spiritual journey. So today is a message of deliverance. It's a message to bring people out of being poisoned and bound. I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to God's people that some of us are in that place. And today God wants to bring you out of being poisoned and delivered, put you back on the right place where you're supposed to be in your journey with him. So what we want to do simply is this. We want to look at the progression. What caused Simon to go from this beautiful spiritual journey into that place where he was in an undesirable spiritual state? None of us want to be there. 
I want to talk about understand the progression. We also want to talk about the prevention. It's better to prevent ever getting into that place. So for some of us, we may not have yet fallen into that undesirable state, but this message comes as a warning saying, be careful, don't let this happen to you. You don't ever want to get out of your beautiful spiritual journey and fall into a place where you get poisoned and bound. So this is also a preventive message, not only a message of deliverance, but it comes as a message of warning, bringing with it a preventive measure so that you and I never, 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 ever fall into this place of being poisoned and bound. And of course, we want to talk about the cure. Uh, how do you get out of that place if you're already in there? So when you, look at this very, when you look at this very carefully, how did Simon get into such a place? Uh, uh, we see three things, three steps in this progression. And uh, uh, again, remember all these steps things are just for communication purposes, but these, uh, you know, it's not like Simon said step one, step two, step three, it's not like that. It's just that he transitioned, he kind of went in there, he fell into it without even knowing, he, he pro without even probably being aware of, of falling into it. So when I say step one, step two, step three, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Uh, I'm just breaking it down for us to understand or to communicate the message. But really, you know, it is uh, something some, uh, very often that happens very unknowingly. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a slide that we, get, that, that, that we transition in uh, and not necessarily in step form. But just for our purposes, uh, we are breaking it down that way. So the first thing we see is this. And also, I want to make this statement here. Uh, this is a very specific situation in the life of one man named Simon. But we are going to generalize it within, of course, the uh, being, you know, staying within the boundaries of Scripture. We are going from a specific situation to a generalized situation. Uh, Situation. All right. So we, in some way, are generalizing what we're seeing. So we're taking from here uh, and looking uh, at the generalization. But the generalization are spiritual principles. They are spiritual insights that are valuable to us. Right. So uh, some people don't like building a message out of uh, an individual's experience, but uh, you know, we, it, it can be done as long as we stay within uh, the confines of Scripture. So, having said that, what do we see? The first thing is this, Simon, there is a misunderstanding, a misunderstanding of God's ways and God's works, right? We see that. It's very obvious there in verse 20. Uh, you know, Simon is seeing God move. This is a genuine work of God. God is doing wonderful things. The Holy Spirit is being poured out on people, on himself as well. Uh, people are receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're probably speaking in tongues. They're prophesying. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are being manifested. And Simon is saying, wow, there's something in Peter's hand. You know, whomever, or Peter and John, whomever they lay hands on, this is happening. So maybe I want that power. And so he comes there in verse 20. He says, you know, can you give me this power? I'll give you some money. And so Peter says, you know, you've got it wrong. You've misunderstood it. You think that the gift of God could be purchased with money. So Simon had, and I'm using simple language, simple words, he had a misunderstanding of the ways and works of God. So that's where it started, with a misunderstanding. 
God was doing something genuine, but he didn't understand it. Uh, he came to some wrong conclusions about it. And he tried to approach it in an incorrect way by offering money. Now, how, how does that apply to you and me? You see, there is application for us maybe in our own personal lives and also the way we relate to other believers. And I'll just mention some random examples. This is, you know, there could be many more. I'll just make a mention of, of some. You see, uh, sometimes God, God is doing a genuine work, but just because we don't, understand, uh, we, we don't connect with it, we misunderstand a genuine work of God. So, for a, it could be in our own lives, God is doing something, but it is not what we were expecting God to do. God is unfolding his plans and purposes, but it comes about in a way different from what we thought. We thought God would do A, B, C, and D, but God is doing X, Y, and Z. Different. But God is at work. It's a genuine work of God. It just is coming out in a very different way. And so we misunderstand it. Like, God, why are you doing it like that? Why aren't you doing it the way I wanted it done? So we are misunderstanding the, word of, the work of God, the ways of God, and the works of God in our own lives. Sometimes, unexpected challenges arise in our path, in our journey. And I say, God, why are you allowing this unexpected, this kind of a thing to happen in my life? I, I did not want this to happen. Uh, I, I'm not ready for it. And, you know, God has allowed it. Things are happening. Challenges are there. And I say, God, where are you? And God is absolutely silent. He doesn't, like, even his little finger doesn't seem to be moving. God, what, what, what are you doing? So, that doesn't mean God is not at work in your life. The Bible says that God, he who began a good work in you, he is faithful to complete it. That means God is still going on working in you. But, his work in you is not what you're expecting. You didn't expect such challenges to come in, and you thought, you know, God would just let you uh, go through on a bed of roses, but you didn't expect some of these hardships. And so, you think God has abandoned you, given up on you. No, God hasn't. He's still working. Just that it's different from what you expected. So in, in these, in, I'm just giving two examples. So in, in situations like this, uh, there is the possibility we could misunderstand the work of God. Or sometimes we misunderstand how God is working in other people's lives. You know, sometimes... You see somebody who is blessed by God and your immediate reaction is that person does not deserve to be so blessed. Is God at work? God is at work in that person's life. It's a genuine work of God. God is genuinely blessing him, but you misunderstand. No, no. That person must be doing something wrong to be so blessed. Or he must be doing something. Or sometimes, you know, uh, God begins to elevate somebody and begin to use them very powerfully in the ministry or in, in some area. Uh, and then he says, no, 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 that person doesn't deserve to be used by God like that. We are misunderstanding the work of God. It, it doesn't fit into our frame of reference. It doesn't compute with us theologically. Or sometimes, you know, we think that the way things are being done should not be done that way. It should be done something like this. Now, we don't agree 
with the way in which God is working, in which God is moving. It's a genuine move of God. Uh, or sometimes uh, we just don't have a frame of reference for something that, that God is doing, uh, whether a message that is being preached or a, a truth that is being unfolded. Uh, it doesn't fit into our theological framework. And so we either uh, despise it or worse still, we fight against it and we call it heresy. Hey, just because it doesn't fit into your theological frame of work doesn't mean it's wrong. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be discerning, but I'm talking about when there is a genuine work of God and we misunderstand it and we go against it. That's a dangerous place. So these are some examples where we start off in a similar state, like slide, like Simon he misunderstood the work of God, and I'm just trying to point out different ways in which we could potentially misunderstand a genuine work of God. There could be many more real-life situations where we begin to misunderstand. And, and so Simon began that way. He didn't understand that the work of God, this is a gift of God, and you don't purchase it with money. The second thing we see there is that here a genuine believer went into a place of misalignment with the heart of God. We see this in verse 21 when uh, Peter rebukes him and he says, You have no, in verse 21, you have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. There was a misalignment of his heart with God's heart. And so, long, so, no longer, so his heart was no longer right in the sight of God, it was not aligned to the heart of God. So, you see, as I, ideally, as believers, we would say, God, let your desires be my desires. And we want to be aligned to the heart of God. But here was a genuine believer who, because he misunderstood the work of God, his heart shifted and got misaligned from the heart of God. Now, in our own lives, we must be careful. When our hearts get misaligned from the heart of God. We start pursuing things for the wrong reasons. We start pursuing spiritual things for the wrong reasons. That's a misalignment of, the heart, of our heart from God's heart. And that's what happened to Simon. He was pursuing something spiritual, power, spiritual power, but for the wrong reasons, the wrong way. Misalignment of his heart from God's heart. You know, many people ask this question, uh, and I've been asked it many, many times. Uh, Lucifer, how did he sin? You know, Lucifer, we know, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28, he was the archangel. And he was in the very presence of God. He was created full of beauty, full of wisdom, full of worship. And uh, he was a worshiping angel. Uh, probably the head of the worship, worshippers in heaven. And he was in the very glory presence of God. How could Lucifer have sinned? We know his sin. His sin was pride. Uh, First Timothy, the third chapter, and I think it's the uh, uh, fifth or the sixth verse, tells us that, that he fell into the same pride. He fell into pride. But how could Lucifer have sinned in the very presence of God? The Bible tells us one thing. And this is in Isaiah, the 14th chapter, and verse 13. It was self-deception. Self-deception. 
Lucifer had nobody else to deceive him. He deceived his own self. It says there in verse 13, for you, Isaiah 14, verse 13, for you said in your own heart. Who said? You said in your own heart, I will ascend up to the throne of God. I will be like the Most High. So he deceived himself, self-deception, which then led him to pride, to take, uh, 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 to want, desire something that was not meant for him. So Satan's how did Satan sin? He deceived himself. Self-deception. And, and the Bible warns us against this. Self-deception. That it is such a dangerous thing. This is what caused Lucifer, the archangel, who was in the very presence of God, to fall into the sin of pride. Self-deception. He said in his own heart. He deceived himself. And as believers, we got to guard against self-deception. Because self-deception brings us out of alignment with the heart of God. That's what happened to Simon. His heart was not right in the eyes of God. He said himself, his own self. Self-deception is so dangerous because we don't know what's happening to us. We don't even know when we are deceived. We think we are right when we are wrong and we don't even know it. We embrace a lie as though it was truth. That's self-deception. So you've got to be very careful. James chapter 1, three times in James chapter 1, he says, do not be deceived, brethren. Do not be deceived, brethren. Do not be deceived, brethren. Don't deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself. Three times in James chapter 1. So, self-deception puts our heart out of alignment with God's heart. We've got to guard against that. The third step in this whole progression, this slide that... Uh, uh, Simon had into this dangerous place, this undesirable place. The first, there was a misunderstanding of the ways and works of God. Second, there was a misalignment of his heart with God's heart because of self-deception. The third thing we see is there was maliciousness towards God and his people. And I'm just trying to imagine this. Of course, we see this there in, in, in verse 22. Peter rebukes him. He says, repent therefore of this, your wickedness. So there was wickedness. And pray God if perhaps the thought of your heart. So that means the wicked thoughts of your heart may be forgiven you. So there was wicked thoughts in his heart. Maliciousness. Towards whom? Towards God and towards people. So I'm trying to put the picture together. Simon was once the man in Samaria. The man. He had the power, he had the control, he had everybody under him through witchcraft. He was, he was the boss. But now, things have changed so drastically. He's no longer in control. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, the name of Jesus that's prevailing. Everybody's following Jesus. And then there are other people who are leaders. There is Philip. And now there's Peter and there is John. I mean, not, it's not enough that one man had more power than Simon. There are three men who are demonstrating more power than Simon. And so wicked thoughts in his heart. Maliciousness. Hey, I also want this. If I get it, I'll, be, I'll improve on it. I'll be better than you, all three of you. I'm just imagining. But that's the picture. And so... This, this wicked thought in his heart, which was birthed out of envy and jealousy, 
I'm inferring this from the context, brought him into this place where he was poisoned and bound. But look at the progression. We misunderstand what God is doing. It then causes us to, in our heart, to be misaligned to the heart of God. And then if we are not careful, it creates wicked thoughts in our hearts, maliciousness towards God and his people. And eventually puts us in this undesirable, dangerous place. Where once a beautiful believer is now a believer who's been poisoned by bitterness and bound by sin. And you know, in my own journey, and I'm not saying this to point at any person or anything, but we've seen it happen over and over again in the lives of God's people, the lives of believers, that they go from this beautiful place of journeying with God to this very sad and undesirable place of being bound by bitterness, or poisoned by bitterness and bound by sin, simply because they went through the same progression. They didn't understand what God was doing, the ways and the works of God, and which way God was working. Couldn't reconcile them, so it couldn't connect with that. So their heart got misaligned with the heart of God, and they found themselves in a place of maliciousness, having wicked thoughts towards God and his people, eventually being poisoned by bitterness and bound by sin in their lives. Let's just dwell on that a little bit, and then we talk about the prevention and the cure. You see, when bitterness is such a deadly thing, here it says, poisoned by bitterness. Bitterness is like poison. It only hurts one person, the person who has the poison, not the other people around so we think, well, I am bitter, and I want something bad to happen to them, had to, bad to happen to that person. It's nothing, nothing bad is going to happen to the other person. The only bad thing is going to happen to you, because you are the one who's got the poison in your system. Bitterness. You are the one who's bound by sin. Uh, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, the 15th, was refers to bitterness as a root meaning it's, it's under the surface and it's growing. And it says that root of bitterness springs up. It causes trouble and it defiles others. So at some point, this thing that is under the ground begins to spring up. And what does it produce? First, it produces trouble in your own life. So sometimes the troubles in the life of a believer it's because of the root of bitterness or the poison of bitterness. It's not the devil. We can rebuke the devil. We can bind him and lose him as long as you want. But if you don't deal with this root of bitterness, the trouble's not going to go. Because the cause of the trouble is not the devil. It's the root of bitterness. It's this poison that's in their system. And the only way to get the trouble out of their system after their lives is to get the bitterness out. So... That bitterness, that root of bitterness causes trouble. And it says it also affects others, defiles others. Hebrews 12, 15, it affects others. Other people come around them and they're affected. They're affected. They're affected. With what? This bitterness that is coming out of one person's heart, one person's life. Because they've gone down this dangerous progression. So what is the prevention? What is the cure? And that's 
what we should really focus on uh, having understood this background. So I want to just prevent, present three simple preventive measures that you and I can take that as we are walking with God in our spiritual journey, never, 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 never ever to get down into that undesirable state of being poisoned by bitterness and bound by sin. Never. What are some preventive measures? Three simple things. As antidotes to each one of the things that we spoke about. You know, the first preventive measure is to seek right understanding. When God is doing things that you don't understand, please have the humility to ask God to help you understand. And it's a prayer I pray often and for myself. When I see, I, say, I tell God, God, I really do not understand it. Please help me understand it. Give me the understanding I need so that I can learn of your ways and of your works. Because we don't know everything. We don't yet understand everything. We are growing in our understanding. So obviously, there will be the ways and the works of God that we need to expand our understanding and embrace. But many of us operate out of a presupposition that I know everything and I understand everything. And that's a dangerous presupposition. We must be in that place where we say, God, I don't know everything. So there are things that you're going to do around me and the ways in which you're going to work, which I need to understand. And so we pray, God, please give me understanding. I love what uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, uh, you know, uh, he was trying to encourage Timothy and teach him how to pastor the local church, the church uh, there. So in his epistle to Timothy, in first, uh, Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7, he says, he you know, he's writing a lot to Timothy. And in the middle of that, he makes, he interjects the statement. He says, Timothy, consider what I am saying, and the Lord give you understanding in everything. In other words, he knows that he's telling Timothy some things that Timothy will, his, his understanding, spiritual understanding is going to be stretched. He knows that he's writing about things about the local church and the way to work with people. He knows this is it, is, it is probably beyond Timothy's current capacity to understand. That's why he says, Timothy, you just listen to what I say, consider what I say, and God will give you understanding in everything. And that's how, uh, that's a prayer we need to pray. Say, God, I am considering this as of now, I can't understand it, but please give me the understanding I need. You see, very often, you know, God uh, causes us to come into those situations where we have to let him stretch our understanding because that's the only way we are going to grow. To operate out of this place where I know everything is a very dangerous place. That's why the Bible tells us, and you know, Paul was praying for the Ephesian believers in Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. He says, I pray that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and understanding. So that the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened, opened up. So that you know him, you know his purpose, you know his inheritance, you know his power. So there are many things about God, about his purposes, about the riches that he's given to us, and about his power that we are yet to find out. So when somebody comes talking to us about God, about his purpose, about the wonderful inheritance he's given to us, or about his power, which we are still have not yet understood, we shouldn't despise it. What should we do? We say, God, give me, open the eyes of my understanding. Help me to understand what he is saying or what is happening there. Help me. That's our approach. I want to say something here. 
please don't fight what you do not understand. Don't fight what you do not understand. There are many things that God is going to do around you which you will not understand. Don't start fighting it because you're not going to win fighting against God. Guaranteed. So, when God is doing something and you don't understand it, it doesn't fit into your theological frame of reference or doesn't fit into you know, what makes you nice, happy, and comfortable, don't fight it. Just ask God, uh, I know it's kind of a little out of my frame, but please help me understand it. Give me, bring me to the place where I can understand it and I can embrace it. So don't fight what you don't understand. Don't even comment about it. Some of us are very, very spiritual. You know, we comment about things we have no understanding of. We like to talk as though we understand it, but it is just demonstrating our ignorance. So the best thing to do when you don't understand something is keep quiet. It'll bless others because you'll not be sowing confusion in their hearts and minds. So just keep quiet. If you don't understand it, keep quiet. Say, God, I don't understand it. Please help me understand. You know? So be in that posture of seeking understanding from God, seeking discernment from God. Be willing to expand your spiritual understanding. So second thing is this, that uh, preventive measures always guard your heart. You see, always pray and say, God, I want your heart to be mine. I want your desires to be my desires. I want your perspectives to be my perspectives. So guard your heart. Always maintain a right heart before God. Pray often, God, let my heart be right before you. You know, people may say all kinds of things, but your responsibility is to keep your heart right before God. Don't let your heart get misaligned with God's heart. And our Proverbs 4 and verse 23 says, Guard your heart with all diligence, because out of it come the issues of life. Guard your heart. You are responsible for protecting your own heart. So guard your heart. That means your thoughts, your desires, your motives, your attitudes. Guard it. Always keep it aligned to the word of God and to God himself. Always keep it aligned. So you've got to check your heart. Is my heart aligned to the word of God? That's the way I got my heart. Am I doing what the Bible says? Are the motivations of my heart aligned to the word of God? Are the attitudes of my heart aligned to the word of God? Uh, are the desires of my heart aligned to the word of God? Guard your heart. Because if we do not guard our heart, then we come into this dangerous progression. We misunderstand the work of God, and then we begin to you know, have wrong thoughts in our heart about things. This is the way it should be done. It shouldn't be done like this. Well, why is that person being used by God? Hey, that's none of your business. Your heart should say, thank God. God is using him. God is using her. Otherwise, your heart is going to be questioning. Hmm, that person is not supposed to be used by God. Guard your heart. Don't let such a thought even stay there. Say, hmm, I pray five hours. That person prays only two hours. Why is that person having a bigger ministry than me? Guard your heart. Don't allow such a thought to stay in your heart. Guard your heart. Or, you know, it, this is so many things. Wrong thoughts which should not be in your heart. Guard it. Don't allow it to come in. And the third choice, uh, let, let me also say this. You know, what offends your mind exposes your heart. What offends your mind 
exposes your heart. So you see somebody else getting blessed. It offends your mind. Why? Because you think you are supposed to be more blessed than that person. It offends your mind. But what offends your mind will expose your heart. Just listen to what comes out of your mouth. So if you begin to say things like, you know, I don't think that person should be so blessed. Or I think that person is doing things wrong. You know, it's coming out of your heart. And that has exposed your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what offends your mind will expose your heart. Listen to your own mouth speaking at those times. You will know what's really in your heart. Be careful. Guard your heart. Always keep your heart. That means the thoughts, the motives, the attitudes, the pursuits of your heart. Always keep it aligned to the word of God. God, this is what your word says. I will keep my heart aligned to it. You know, you're not in competition with the other person. The other person is your brother. The other person is your co-worker. You're not in competition with them. So your heart should always be God. That person is my brother. That person is my co-worker. We are family. We are kingdom. So no competition. No thought of competition. No thought of outdoing the other person. No thought of I'm going to prove myself to be better than that person. No. We are family. We are kingdom. That's the heart that you've got to protect. You've got to keep your heart that way. So there's no need for competition in the body of Christ. And then the third thing is very really simple. Choose to walk in love always. Let love dominate. What would love do? Yes, times there are things that our mind doesn't understand. But what do you do? Ask God for your understanding. Guard your heart. Don't let a wrong thought go in your heart. And thirdly, always walk in love. It will keep your heart free from any malicious, wicked thought towards any person. Always walk in love. And the Bible gives us this powerful statement. We are all familiar with this. In 1 John 4.16, it says, He who walks in love, uh, he lives in God, and God lives in him. Just imagine. When you walk in love, it says, You are in God, God is in you. I mean, that's an unbeatable combination. No man, no devil can outdo that. When you walk in love, you walk in God, God's in you. You and God are one. Finished. You're on the winning side. That's how powerful love is. So always choose to walk in love. Even when you don't understand, guard your heart. Just do what love will do. What will love do? Just do that. That's it. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is generous. Love is forgiving. Love is, uh, you know, believing in all things. So just believe. Just go with love. Because when you walk in love, you're walking in God. God's in you. You're unbeatable. So three simple antidotes from getting into this undesirable place of being poisoned by bitterness and bound, being bound by sin. Seek understanding from God. When God does, God will work in ways uh, and do works that you and I are unfamiliar with. When you see God doing that, either in other people's lives or in your own life, ask God to give you understanding. Second, always keep your heart right before God. Lord, help me guard my heart. The attitudes of my heart, the motives of my heart, the thoughts of my heart, the pursuits of my heart. I want to keep it right. I want to keep it right. And God, I always want to do what love will do. Love will never hurt the other person. Love will not destroy another person. Love will not backbite another person. Love will not, you know, gossip about another person. Love will not do that. So always walk in love. And if you, you and I maintain these three, we will prevent ourselves from falling in to that place of being poisoned by bitterness and being bound by sin. Now, what's the cure? 
if some of us are in that place, maybe you, you just weren't aware of what was happening, but now you find yourself. There is bitterness in your heart that has been birthed out of jealousy, or birthed out of envy, or birthed out of hurt. Uh, you know, somebody did the right thing, but you took it in a wrong way, and therefore you felt hurt, but it was not their fault, right? So, but you're hurt. There's bitterness because of hurt. Or maybe there was something happened in your life, an unexpected thing happened in your life. You lost a loved one. You lost a job. Uh, there was a financial crisis. Uh, these things happened, but now you're hurt. You're bitter. Bitter against God or bitter against your people around you. You say, why, did they, why didn't they let uh, why didn't they help me? Why did they let this happen to me? That's bitterness in your heart. How, what is the cure? Three simple things that we see here. First, you've got to repent. Tell God, Lord, this thing should not be in me. I repent for letting it get into my system. Repent. God, I'm sorry. That's, what, that's the strong rebuke that Peter gives to Simon. He says, repent. Tell God, I'm sorry. I'm turning away from these ways that have brought me into this place. Repent. And then he says, you know, and then, of course, we have to renounce it. I mean, I cannot keep these wrong heart attitudes of bitterness and maliciousness toward God and his people. I renounce it. I get rid of sin. I get rid of this wickedness in my heart. And then I restore or make restitution. Uh, we see in Scripture that repentance is not complete without restitution. That means you, can, you need to do whatever you need to do to restore relationships, restore uh, 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 things that to make things right before God and before people. So repent, renounce, restore. And God will bring us out of that place of being poisoned by bitterness and being bound by sin. As I mentioned at the very beginning today, this message is a message of deliverance. It's a message for some people who are listening that God wants to bring you out of this place where you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by sin. It's also a message of warning, of prevention for us believers that we should never, ever slide into such a place. And so we're going to pray. We're going to pray. And I want you, however you're going to connect with this message, maybe you need to be delivered, maybe you need to be careful in your life that you don't slide into this place. But as we pray, I want you to welcome the work of God in your heart and mind, in our lives, saying, God, today I heard you tell me that I must be careful about being poisoned by bitterness and being bound by sin. Oh God, do a work in me. And God will do a work in our lives. We're gonna take a small moment of time to worship God. The worship team will help us here. And then we're going to come back and pray, and God will work in our hearts and lives in line with what we've heard this morning. Let's do that together right after this time of worship. I will never be the same again. I can never return. I've closed the door I will walk the path I'll run the race And I will never be the same again Let's sing it together I will never be the same again I can never return 
team. We're going to take a few moments just to pray together. I just want to quickly review what we heard today. The sermon, being poisoned by bitterness, being bound by sin. We saw the slide that happened to Simon, who was on a wonderful spiritual journey with Jesus. There was a misunderstanding of God's ways and God's works, which resulted in a misalignment of his heart, the attitudes of his heart, with God's heart, which eventually brought malicious thoughts in his heart towards God and towards people, or wicked thoughts towards God and towards people, which then put him in this place, this undesirable, very sad place of being poisoned in his life by bitterness and bound by sin. But we talked about three preventive measures you and I can have or make 
and we seek right understanding to the ways and works of God, when we guard our heart towards God, so that, our, that the, the, the thoughts of our heart, the attitudes of our heart are always right before God, and that we always walk in love towards God and towards people. That will prevent us from falling, going down the same slippery slope. But if we find ourselves there, today is our day of deliverance. We repent, we renounce, we restore. And that's what I want to lead us into. As we pray, if there are people and you find yourself poisoned by bitterness, bound by wickedness, Let God deliver you. Let God bring you out of that place. Let every root of bitterness be taken out of your life. And let every imprison or prison of sin be broken so that today, this moment, you are set free. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you alone can reach into the very depths of our hearts and the depths of our soul and bring out the poison of bitterness. And Lord, destroy the chains of wickedness. And lift up people and put them back in the spiritual journey with you. You can do it, Lord, and I pray you will do it. That this moment will be a moment of deliverance. Even as people repent and renounce and restore, let there be a lifting up, Lord, of from where they are, from where they've fallen into, to a place where they should be in the spiritual walk with you. Oh God, Father, we pray that the truths that we have shared will, Lord, just be so imprinted in our hearts and minds as believers that we will be careful not to misunderstand your ways and your works. We'll be careful not to let our hearts be misaligned to your hearts. And that we'll be careful not to let any malicious, wicked thought come in towards you or towards other people. Oh God, may we be careful. May we be careful. May this be so imprinted in our hearts and minds that we will walk with reverence. We'll walk with holy fear as we journey with you. Because none of us, God, want to be poisoned by bitterness or be bound by sin. Let the presence of your Holy Spirit touch every heart, every life. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for being with us in the service today. As we always do, you know, there could be somebody you know who will benefit from listening to this message. Maybe they are in a similar place like Simon. You don't have to go and tell them, hey, you're there. You need it now. 
but perhaps you know, and you would be doing them a great blessing by sharing this message with them. Perhaps there are people that just need to be warned so that they don't get into that place, and you'll, do, you'll be doing them a great blessing by sharing this message with them. So if you know of people, friends, family, anyone else, share this message with them. Tell them they need to listen to this so that God either can bring a message, bring a work of deliverance, or can prevent them from falling into the same place that Simon fell. And may their lives be blessed as you do this. Thank you for doing it. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your testimony, your feedback, your thoughts, your comments. Or you can write to us at testimony at apcw.org. We'd be delighted to hear your feedback, your response, your comments to this time together. And if God has done a powerful work in your life, share that with us. It'll encourage the entire team here who work uh, you know, week on week serving you uh, in various ways. So thank you for sending us your testimony, sharing with us what God is doing in your life. And we want to encourage you, stay strong, keep growing in your life and journey with Jesus Christ. Let's close. Father, we pray that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you again.